And now for something completely different. A radio show about books. Didn't think it through at all. Inconceivable! <laughs> yes, the show's serious. That's totally a thing. Thank you. Tarzan of the Apes. Brought to you from out the pages of Edgar Rice Burroughs' immortal book. Oh, wow. In the beginning, the universe was created. This has made a lot of people very angry and been widely regarded as a bad move. And now for your host, Daniel Thompson, a completely underqualified buffoon who has no idea why he's here in the first place. And all were amazed and said, this guy is really good. Do you do children's parties? (laughs) Hello, everybody. How is it going with you today? Welcome to Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. For me, it's the first Monday of the semester, of the new school semester. I'm a sophomore in college. Second semester sophomore in college. Who allowed that? Who, Who did that slip by in order to allow that to happen? And I'm 20. Who allowed that? Who, no, listen, I don't know who's in charge of making sure that people like me don't get into these high-ranking positions, but whoever's doing it is not doing their job right. Oh, well. I also shouldn't be allowed to run a podcast, but that's a thing, too, so I guess you don't have anything to complain about. Today, we have Sarah E. Morin. Again, coming back from last week's episode, we're going to continue talking about fantasy and bringing back old stories and rejuvenating them and making them all fresh and pretty and new things. And we're also going to talk a bit about her publishing experiences. We just got a whole shebang episode coming down for you and a giveaway. So stick around to the end of the episode because she's going to give away Waking Beauty, a beautiful signed copy, physical. You can't, you can't get a better deal than that. It's time to get serious. We've had one, yes. What about second breakfast? This drink, I like it. Another! <laughs> The Very Serious Writing Show. With our very serious guest, Sarah E. Morin. I'm seeing a lot more of the uh, the fairytale crossovers. I mean, you got Into the Woods, you've got Once Upon a Time. What do you think about kind of the crossover stuff that's happening? Oh, I, I love it. I love it. Um, I one of the the same professor who let me do the um, the course on animated musicals. I um, first was connected with him because we were studying Sondheim and studying Into the Woods, and so mm. yeah, that one actually you know comes back from the '70s, but it's even right now it felt really fresh. I thought in the movie that came out. Yeah, I dug it. I mean, I didn't. It's not my favorite movie in the world. I, I liked it. By the second half of it, though, it seemed to really start wandering. It was odd. It, yes, if you look at how it is constructed, you could almost do the first half as its own separate musical. So mm-hmm. you are correct. Yes. Yeah, I thought I thought it was really really interesting. Um, the nice thing about fairy tales, if you look at like the grim versions and some of those early versions, mm-hmm. is they're they're sort of bare bones already. They don't say anything about why characters do things. They don't say much about their personalities. And so it allows you to take the same tale and set your own mood on it. Like, uh, I think was it 2012? It was just a few years ago when they had, within the same summer, two Snow Whites that came out. Snow White yes. and Huntsman and Mirror Mirror. Yeah. So 
same story and one was you know very totally spooky <laughs> right and one was very dark and angsty i didn't did, so you which know one what did you prefer oh mirror mirror okay <laughs> that's that's the one i liked what about you you know i didn't quite i didn't quite find my spot with either of them i liked i did like mirror mirror better than snow white and the huntsman though i appreciate seeing thor again you know, that's always great. Yes. <laughs> Anytime Chris Hensworth can <laughs> come around and I like the soundtrack off of Huntsman. But yeah, Mirror Mirror, it was interesting, but I didn't I didn't quite find the definitive version of the tale that I was looking for. So but maybe that's me. Yeah, I would not call either definitive. No, no, neither was definitive. So but I, I liked the, the spoofiness and the hokiness in Mirror Mirror. <laughs> yeah, better. that was fun. <laughs> it was a lot yes. of fun. So, yeah, updating things for a modern audience, changing the setting, changing the tone, um, references and spoofs. So, mm-hmm. and with that, you have to be careful. And what I mean here is, um, you know, I, I like Disney. Disney has kind of become what we consider the main, you know, the true fairy tales, the true versions. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of the things are things that Disney himself, you know, invented. So, for example, I, I reference certain things that happen, like there's in the Sleeping Beauty movie that came out in the, I believe it was the 60s, um, the cartoon version. Yeah. Um, you have like this dress scene where the fairies are fighting over what color is this dress going to be? Is it going to be pink or is it going to be blue? Mm-hmm. And so I have a very subtle reference to that where, um, uh, Briarly, my Sleeping Beauty is deciding in her dream. All right, do I want pink or blue today? So, <laughs> but again, you have to be careful not to steal too much from that. Yeah, yeah. And the comedy in in your story, as far as I can tell, at least in the introduction, it really hooked me in. Is is it that way through most of the story? There is humor throughout the story, yes, but it does get much more serious. I, I bring in some. Uh, moral issues that I wrestled with. I, I have an extensive passage to uh, Nisha, actually, and the whole God is dead, the madman, I have a reference to that. So, okay. so I, yeah, I do get into some of those really rough questions that I was wrestling with at the time, but if, if I go more than about a page of dead serious, I have to do something <laughs> funny. I feel you. I feel you there. I'm writing, yeah. I'm writing a dystopian comedy right now. Kind of. Whoa. In- Yes. Yeah, I, I, I just got out of reading, well, not reading, listening to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, yeah. I love that so much. I can't help it. So I have a very Douglas Adams-y dystopian world. And yes. It's, it's, just getting, it's just getting more ridiculous as it goes on. I've tried to have like a grounded, serious center to it, and it's just not, it's not sticking around. Right. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh, yeah. I'm loving it. I'm, I love I love it when a story it doesn't take itself too seriously. When it's yeah. able to step back and say something funny and be interesting. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the exact quote from Jane Austen, but she she said something to the effect of I could not sit down and write, you know, a serious work for any other motivation other than to save my own life. Mm-hmm. And if I were forced to do it for very long, I would be like dead after the first chapter. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. Now, hey, this this is your first book to be published, is that right? That's correct. Okay, how was your publish experience like? What was how did you how did you go about getting published? Sure. Um, the the main thing that I had the most success with was going to conferences and doing the the pitching and just meeting the people. I really it really surprised me how much I enjoyed you know the the fifteen twenty minutes that you have mm-hmm. you know with that editor publisher agent whoever it happens to be. I really like that that 
person to person connection. Oh yeah. Oh, it's so, so good. Yeah. Yeah. Just being able to be there and just for me to read their body language and like, okay, they're responding to this, not responding to that. And then, and again, I, I just like people. So that was fun. Mm-hmm. I, frankly, that's why I love podcasting so much. So I get to, I get to talk with people, even though it's not person to person, it's not in person. I'm still getting to talk with people. It's so much better than emailing. Yes. It's so much. So did you, did you meet Steve Lobb or did you meet who, how do you get in with Enclave? Ironically, what happened is after I had pitched and I had been told to go ahead and submit, there was a long silence, which, you know, I know that they have a lot to do. And so I didn't really worry about Mm -hmm. it. And months went by. And in the meantime, things that were going on behind the scene is that they they sold the company. Um, Steve bought it, changed the name to Enclave. Yeah. And and so I get this 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 message saying, hey, by the way, you know, can I have a few more weeks? Because I just bought this company. We have a backlog of, you know, documents we have to go through. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, you can keep considering it. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was great. Um, and my favorite part is that um, my favorite living author is Karen Hancock and her agent is Steve. And so uh, okay. when I got, you know, the. The call from Steve, I'm like, okay, besides just the rational factors of is this going to be a good fit, you know, the fact that this is the agent of, <laughs> you know, my favorite author, I'm like, this is sort of like tipping the scales a lot for me. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. Are you working on any new projects right now? I am working on some new projects. I have um, some some poems that are twisted fairy tales um, that I'd like to turn into picture books. As far as large novels, I'm working on a Princess in the Pea version that is the story of her mother, Sleeping Beauty's mother. It, it, it's a struggle. I haven't quite tapped into the core of it yet, so so we will see. Okay, is it going to be tied into Waking Beauty? It, it will be. It'll be basically what happens the generation before. Okay, so you're going to keep everything in this story world. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That's another thing that's becoming very popular recently. Yes. Seen a lot of same story world development. What's your writing like? Do you on a daily basis? Do you do like a daily word count? Do you do like how how do you go about writing? Uh, I tend to be a morning writer. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, usually it's the first thing I do after I, I wake up and get my breakfast. Um, in the evening, if I'm working on writing, it tends to be more of, you know, the the, the marketing, the um, tape recorders. And yes, old school tape recorders, like the actual um, analog. Um, I, oh, cool. I talk to those a lot. I just keep one in my car. There's something about being in motion and talking out loud that helps me solve writing problems and plot issues and character issues. Okay. Um, that that doesn't come the same way when it's me sitting typing on keys. Okay. Now, do you go back and listen to your recordings later, or does it just come to you as you're doing that? I do go back and listen to the recordings, but ironically, not as much as you'd think. Sometimes I need to have the motion of knowing that okay, I'm being recorded. That that little extra pressure, mm-hmm. but I'll remember then what it was that I said. Okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I worked in radio. I know what you're talking about. (laughs) This this makes a lot of sense to me. All right. Well, hey, we're going to take one more quick break, and we'll be back again after these messages. Dobby will now read a poem by Rosie Mucklestone titled The Ballad of Scott Sterling. It has nothing to do with those disreputable Studio C people. Ah, the greatest game of all the year. 
was tied between two teams. The crowd watched, rapt, excitement nearly bursting at the seams. As the final kicks commenced, Scott Sterling took the field. All Yale's defense was up to him. He knew he could not yield. The first kick came at rocket speed. Scott Sterling leapt a block, but threw his hands into his face. The soccer ball did sock. His nose was broken, that was sure, but to his feet he stood. Shaken but not stirred was he, and he knew he had done good. A kick and a miss from Yale team, and Sterling took his place. Another kick at super speed again shot to his face. The force of both the blows combined had begun to take the toll, and Scott was carried off the field, surely relieved of his role. But who should stagger back again to continue for his team? The invincible goalie with the face of steel. Fans jumped and cheered and screamed. What was he doing, curling up? All showing was Scott's hair dark. But Lambert stopped to tie his shoe, and the ball again found its mark. No one seemed to notice as Yale took their shot. With battle-scarred and bloody face, back again came Sterling Scott. The hero now could barely stand, but no one seemed to care. As the man collapsed, his teammates ran out with a chair. It was a guinea, announcers agreed. No possible way to lose. But North Carolina went in for the kick, and though it's still unclear quite how, the black and white ball again found its course, and uncaring of Scott's weak pleas, shot straight to his nose and tipped backwards the chair. The other team went to their knees. One missed by Yale and one more remained. One kick would determine the game. Back to the man without fear, without doubt. The man endless soccer ball's bane. But where is Scott Sterling? He's crawling away. He's leaving the goal open wide. Tim Yale's victory slipping away. What's he doing? Everyone cried. The last kick was taken and Scott Sterling turned as the ball ricocheted off the rim. The last soccer ball of the game, of course, was making a beeline for him. A final harsh blow hammered Scott in the face. The crowd rose to their feet with a scream. Yale had won on Scott Sterling alone, and the players were living a dream. The team rushed the field, their hero to cheer. Locke happy they were sliding in. They pulled him up onto the stretcher of glory and presented the trophy of their win. The hero was not all that conscious to notice, but he was quite happy, I'm certain. And here on this noble tale is where we draw the curtain. And to this day, his legend stands, an inspiration to us all. The man, the myth, the legend, Scott Sterling. The man who could really play ball. Ah! Dobby is happy to read poetry with his friends. To submit your own poetry, go to thatguywiththehat.com. And we are back. Sarah, thank you so much for being on the show. This has been a ton of fun. I've loved talking with you. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you, Daniel. Okay, so we are going to do a giveaway. You're going to give away a copy of your book. Yes, I'll do a signed copy and, you know, an actual one you can hold. So nice. Yeah, and now the way to get it is to go to my website, Mm -hmm. which is Sarah and Sarah's with an H. 
E-Morin.com. So Sarah E-Morin.com. And, and you have to leave a comment answering a very special question. Yes. Yeah. What fairy tale do you want to see crossed over with any particular genre? Like the Western Snow White. Oh, man, that's such a good idea. Or the, sci- the sci-fi Cinderella or whatever. What, what would be your optimal? The favorite answer, and Sarah, that'll be up to you. Whatever your favorite answer is off that, y'alls are going to get this signed copy, pristine signed copy of Waking Bee. That'll be worth something someday, Sarah. So, uh, well, I hope so, and if not, then maybe I'll just like reading it. <laughs> It'll definitely be, and it's a thick book, too. It's like 400 pages, right? Yes, it started out as one book, which then became too long and became two books, and then the editing processes came back to one. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how it goes. Tolkien would relate to you. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right, so, and on your website, you've got links to all your Facebooks and and your YouTube and stuff. Yes, yeah, I'm on Facebook and I'm on YouTube. Very nice. I, there's not a whole lot of authors on YouTube. What do you put on your YouTube? I do several different organizations that are writing. So sometimes it's me talking about Waking Beauty. Sometimes it's me talking about poetry. Sometimes it's me talking about different artists outreach in the community. Oh, speaking of which, we forgot to talk about Nice. We did forget to talk about Nice. Would you like to now? I, yeah, let's let's go ahead and, and let's talk about that because that looked really cool. Now, by the time this episode airs, they're not going to be able to go to this year's. But talk talk to me about Nice. Sure. Uh, what it was is that I love collaborating with other writers, other artists. It's very inspiring to me. And so an artist friend and I, Alice, were sitting down drinking coffee at a local shop, talking about how we were inspired by literature like Pride and Prejudice, you know, Frankenstein. Like, wouldn't it be great just to open it up to any artist of any medium, whether it be, you know, cake decorating or poetry, and they write or create a work based on classic literature. And so we selected four very specific passages from classic works. And it's it's not a contest, but people are entering and they're going to present their works. Uh, we have a, a local uh, sanctuary that's been converted over into an artist venue and they're letting us have it for free and we're going to show the community. And so we're looking forward to having that, that fresh look, that entry point into those classic works. That is cool. That is like so cool. And the reason why it's called NICE, I forgot to mention, is you're trying to come up with an easy-to-remember acronym. And mm-hmm. so the town where it is is Noblesville. So it's Noblesville Interdisciplinary Creativity Expo. But it's allowed for all kinds of puns. <laughs> like, bet. you know, I'll post something on the website, and Alice will say, nice job! And yes, ridiculous <laughs> stuff. That's terrible. <laughs> that, that, that's, it that's is. A, that's the name of beast <laughs> right there. Yes. Oh, okay. So is this going to become a a, a consistent thing, you think? Yes, yes. So yes, we do foresee it becoming um, an annual event. Um, We're trying to get into high schools and maybe do a tie-in with whatever the high school reading lists are so that we can, again, you know, just encourage what's the fresh look at that classic work, which Mm -hmm. really ties into Waking Beauty, the fresh look at, you know, the old tale. Oh, definitely. So, but yeah, it'll be fun. We have so far, we have a hat maker signed up. We have a woodworker signed up. You know, there's poets, there's visual artists. There's, yeah, it's, it's been fun watching the different works roll in. Oh, that is so much fun. I love it. I love it. Well, Sarah, I'm not going to take up any more of your time. Thanks again for being on the show. This has been fantastic. Yeah, thank you so much, Daniel. Yeah, I really enjoyed myself. All right. Well, hey, you have a great day. I will talk to you again. 
This is exactly what it sounds like inside my head the minute someone asked me about this podcast. Hi! I am Princess Unikitty, and I welcome you all to Cloud Cuckoo Land! You're listening to The Very Serious Writing Show. And that wraps us up for the day. Thanks one more time to Sarah E. Morn for being on the show. Do yourself a favor and go sign up for a copy of that book. Because once again, that's some of the funniest stuff in the first chapter I've read in forever. It was really great stuff. I don't know where I was going to go with this. I had something I was going to say, and then I lost it. I suppose I could talk about my dorm room. I'm looking out into the vast blackness of the sky where the only things you can see are the blinking red lights that sit on top of the wind turbines. Because this is western Oklahoma, and we, we have those. And inside my dorm, I have posters. I've, uh, I've since taken my posters. I collect movie posters, officially. It's, it's gone from a healthy obsession to an unhealthy obsession. Because I have 16 sitting in my room right now. I have one for In the Heart of the Sea. I've got the Day of the Doctor, Doctor Who poster. I've got, I've got three posters for Mockingjay. And this happened just because I ran into them and the design was really cool. I'm not even that big a Hunger Games fan. And I've, I've got like three of them. There's Batman vs. Superman, and Inside Out, and The Man from U.N.C.L.E., and The Good Dinosaur, uh, Bridge of Spies, Tomorrowland, oh, Tomorrowland. I love you despite your flaws. <laughs> and uh, The 33, which I also have not seen yet. It's got Antonio Banderas, though, so, I mean, it must be good. Antonio Banderas is the bomb.com. And I've got that football movie, Woodlawn, that the Irwin brothers made. So I haven't seen that. In fact, I... I haven't seen most of the things they're sitting on my wall. They're just cool posters. And then there's The Walk, which literally looks like you're about to fall between the ten- Twin Towers. It- it's so cool. Ah, I've got a Taurus exploding as a Van Gogh painting, and then I have the poster for Pan. Which, has anyone actually seen Pan? I need to know if someone's seen Pan, because I saw a scene out of it, and Blackbeard jumps up, and everyone singing Smells Like Teen Spirit, and I don't understand. So I need to see it, I guess. If you've seen Pan, let me know. And we're, we're out of time for this episode, it looks like. Facebook, Twitter, at Monkey Strudel. Goodreads, because that's how we homeschoolers roll. And I will see you all again Monday. No, Tuesday. No, Thursday. We're, it's going to be Thursday. I'll see you again Thursday. iTunes, SoundCloud. See you all then. Have a lovely Monday. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. Don't die. Have some coffee. See you all later.